Good morning and welcome to the St. Mary Healthline here on WBCB, heard worldwide at WBCB1490.com. It's great to be with you this morning and great to be here at St. Mary Medical Center as we get set for another Healthline. Each and every time we come your way, we drop you a line with some really helpful information, some of the -the state-of-the-art things happening in the world of medicine and uh, great to have Dr. Jamison Jaffe with us. He's with Comprehensive Urologic Specialists. Dr. Jaffe, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's good to have you with us and what has brought you to St. Mary Medical Center? I mean, tell us a little bit of the the path that has led you here to to, to practice medicine at St. Mary. So I was um, working downtown at Hanami University for Um, my entire career actually after I did my fellowship in robotic surgery and I think St. Mary became very interested in building a um, very robust and high-end robotic program so about five years ago they reached out to me and um, I've now been at St. Mary's for almost three years now. And practicing robotic surgery here at St. Mary Medical Center? Yeah absolutely so all of urology but with a focus and emphasis on um, robotics and minimally invasive uh, urologic surgery. Well, we're talking to the guys here today, but really anyone who has a man in their life that they care for, uh, we're talking to you as well here this morning on the St. Mary Healthline and talking about prostate health. Uh, What are some of the risk factors that are associated with with good prostate health or with, with issues with the prostate? Yeah, so when we talk about prostate, I mean, there's generally two things or two categories that that we see guys for. Um, The benign conditions, such as in a large prostate, which typically happens to all guys as they get a little older. And then obviously the more severe issue or the more serious issue of prostate cancer. Um, Regarding prostate health um, and large prostate, uh, generally uh, healthy living is really the best you can do as far as maintaining a healthy prostate. So diet, exercise, eating the right foods. Um, prostate cancer is, is different. It has nothing to do with anything the guy has done. Uh, it's not associated with tobacco. It's not associated with, you know, diet or exercise. Um, the biggest risk factor for having prostate cancer would actually be having a family history of prostate cancer. So an uncle, a brother, a father, um, or, um, being African American is also a significant risk factor for, um, having not only prostate cancer, but more aggressive prostate cancer. So those risks will, will increase the, the possibility that, that potentially you would get prostate cancer, but what are the, I mean, how common is it? Oh, it, it's very, in, in general, if, even if you don't have those, those risks uh, over, I guess the, the, the general population. Yeah, it's very common. And, and you know, what's interesting, one in seven white men will get prostate cancer in their lifetime. And black men have a one in five to one in six risk of getting prostate cancer. So it's it's much more prevalent in the African-American community than it is in the um, Caucasian community. Um, you hear a lot about breast cancer, which isn't even as common as this, just because women are more vocal. So it's really important for men to realize that if they have 10 friends, Typically, two of those guys will likely have prostate cancer at some point in their life. We're talking with Dr. Jamison Jaffe this morning on the St. Mary Healthline. So how much do, do those risk factors increase that likelihood? If it's one in seven or one in six um, for those subsets of individuals, what about if you have a, a, a father who has had prostate cancer, a family member? 
Yeah, I mean, for a, a, a white male who has prostate cancer in his family, he's pretty much going to be at the same risk as an African-American male would be. Um, so screening might be slightly different based on, you know, their risk stratification. Um, you know, and black guys, again, just a little more common to get it, especially if their brother, their uncle, or their father has had prostate cancer. Okay, so what, what do men feel when I mean, they have an enlarged prostate or they have prostate cancer? Uh, are, there, are there things that w- are red flags? Yeah, most of the guys who come in with prostate cancer um, will feel nothing. Uh, it's very early detected now um, because of testing and screening that we do. Uh, the majority of guys actually come into our office with symptoms related to the enlargement of their prostate. So a guy who's getting up at night to urinate where he wasn't doing that before, um, you know, when he's, you see a guy and he's straining to go to the bathroom, it's taking him a while, they're going more frequently, they're going more urgently. Um, these are all kind of signs of an enlarged prostate. Now, the problem is as prostate cancer progresses, if the guy, if the, the man's not getting screened, those can be also later signs and symptoms of prostate cancer as well. Um, but typically, enlarged prostate is actually more symptomatic than early stage prostate cancer. So, uh, if someone has those the enlarged prostate symptoms, and uh, do, does the prostate change size naturally? It enlarge at some times and 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 shrink at other times. Yeah, it won't shrink. I mean, generally the prostate starts enlarging essentially the day you're born, um, and it gets bigger as you get older. Uh, it's hormonally responsive. So any guy who has testosterone in their system, their prostate will will grow as they get older. Um, there is some genetics to this as well. So if you have a family history of a father or an uncle or someone who's had prostate-related surgery or lots of issues related to their prostate cause of an enlargement, then that guy's probably at more risk of having problems related to prostate enlargement as they get older as well. Um, but it doesn't shrink naturally without medications or surgery. Uh, so typically, any guy, as they get older, their prostates will grow. Not every guy becomes very symptomatic from it. Um, so you just inf- you have to you know, break apart the guys that are here and complaining of symptoms versus guys just have some enlargement. But the, the medicines now can, can help with that, that issue and with those symptoms? Oh, yeah. I mean, before I was a resident or even a doctor, a urologist routinely operated very often on, on guys with enlarged prostates. Um, surgeries that they could do 20, 30 times a week, we may not do 20 or 30 times in a year anymore because the medicines are so effective um, at both relaxing the prostate, making it easier for the guy to urinate, and at the same time, even shrinking the prostate, you know, completely um, getting rid of the need for surgery. If, if you're listening to us this morning and you'd like to talk with Dr. Jaffe, you can reach out to comprehensive urologic specialists at 215-710-4490 and do that and to talk confidentially with Dr. Jaffe. What screenings, so you, you mentioned screenings, what screenings are recommended? Uh, and obviously, as you said, it, you don't have to be symptomatic to get screened and it's, it's a good idea for everybody of a certain age. Yeah, so uh, historically, we used to screen all men starting at 50 and men at risk, so men with a family history of prostate cancer and men who are African-American, we would start them earlier at about 40. Uh, There's been some um, controversy regarding PSA screening in the utilization globally for all people, and um, recently the American Urologic Association, which is, you know, the standards that most urologists will go by, 
has changed their screening recommendations to start at 55 in men at normal risk for developing prostate cancer. So they moved it up a little bit? Yeah, they moved it up a little bit unless you have a family history or, or are at significant risk of developing prostate cancer. And uh, those guys usually would still at least get a baseline PSA around 40, um, which is one of the ways we screen people. And the PSA is, is a blood test? Yeah, so the way we screen people, it's, it's with two things. Um, it's a PSA, which is a prostate-specific antigen. It is a blood test, uh, so it doesn't hurt. Um, typically, most men would get that annually anyway once they hit a certain age. Again, typically 55, even though some men will start earlier at 50 based on the older recommendations. Uh, along with the PSA screening or that blood test, um, we would recommend an annual physical exam to feel the prostate to make sure not only is the number right, but does the prostate feel well? Does it feel like there's no lumps or bumps or anything that's irregular on it that needs to be addressed? So uh, the PSA is kind of a typical blood test. Do guys have to ask to get that screening specifically, or is that done kind of as a regular part of a physical examination these days? Yeah, it really depends on their physician. Um, some physicians um, will not routinely do it like they used to based on some of the newer recommendations that I was um, alluding to. Um, most urologists will recommend it, but you have to talk to the patient about it. So they just need to know that they're being screened for prostate cancer, that they understand what the test is for, and that they're actually agreeing to it. So it shouldn't be a test that's being ordered without the patient's um, consent and that they're understanding of what the test means. So how is prostate cancer diagnosed? Is it just the PSA that indicates that uh, cancer is, is, is in the prostate? So the PSA and the exam, it, they just basically serve as a screen to tell us what guys are potentially at risk of having the prostate cancer there. So if the PSA is high enough or the exam is abnormal enough, that increases the risk that they may have some prostate cancer, then at that point we would recommend a biopsy of the prostate uh, to see if there's any abnormal cells that need to be addressed. So that's a, a, a kind of surgical procedure? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a procedure. Um, most of the time it's done in the office um, with, without any um, thing besides a, a local anesthetic uh, to numb the prostate up so, they, you know, so the biopsy doesn't hurt them. Um, occasionally some guys will ask to have it done in the operating room and it becomes more like a colonoscopy where you go to sleep with some sedation. Um, it is not, doesn't associate with that much risk, um, you know, occasionally infection and blood in the urine. Um, but it's a, a very, um, low risk procedure. It takes about, you know, five to 10 minutes and the information is obviously very valuable. You know, we're going to come back here in just a little bit. I, I want to ask you exactly what is a, a prostate-specific antigen, and uh, why is, what, what, what does it tell uh, urologists about a, a patient's condition or potential condition as we continue here with the St. Mary Healthline. Great to be with Dr. Jamison Jaffe from Comprehensive Urologic Specialists this morning here on 1490 WBCB. We'll be right back and continue uh, talking with you right after this. All right, welcome back here to the St. Mary Healthline on WBCB. Good morning. Great to be with you and great to be with Dr. Jamison Jaffe from Comprehensive Urologic Specialists as we drop you the health line here on your station in Bucks, Burlington, and Mercer Counties. So, Dr. Jaffe, talking about prostate cancer this morning, uh, something that 
all men need to be aware of and anybody with a man in their life it's something that uh, encourage them to get their screenings and uh, great to have you talking about this today so what is a prostate specific antigen the PSA everybody refers to their PSA they say it's great my PSA went down a little bit or uh oh my, my PSA looks like it went up and uh, I'm, I'm very concerned what, what what's going on there yeah, so the PSA, it is a blood test. Again, like you said, it stands for prostate-specific antigen. And it's an antigen that's supposed to be just in the prostate. So in normal um, times of prostate health, it should be very low. The, the level should be low. What we look for is anything less than a 4.0 as a normal PSA. Um, anything that disrupts the prostate, anything that affects the prostate can raise the PSA. So if someone has a urinary tract infection, that can make the PSA go up. Um, obviously, the worst thing is if there's prostate cancer, that can make the PSA go up. Um, if someone's had a procedure or they've been instrumented in any way, that can temporarily make the, the PSA go up. Even if someone had any sexual activity, that can actually cause the, the PSA to go up. So there are a lot of things that can ra raise the PSA that aren't just cancer, um, so if, if someone's PSA does go up, it, it doesn't mean they necessarily have cancer, and that's why they would have to see a urologist. Um, but it normally should be at very low levels if the prostate's healthy. So by doing that blood test, you're detecting the, the prostate-specific antigen in other parts of the body, which indicates there, there's some issue going on in the prostate itself? Yeah, so it should be very low because typically it doesn't float around the body. Um, but if something happens to the prostate, then it would get released, showing that there's something going on in the prostate. And again, the most worrisome thing being uh, cancer. All right. So one of the most encouraging and exciting things is that there, with early detection, there's a number of different treatments. I've, I've heard people talk about uh, what treatment options are out there for prostate cancer. And um, I mean, one of the options I've heard people talk about is just kind of... Uh, kind of watching and waiting and, and, and seeing what happens w with the cancer. And um, that must take a, quite a bit of uh, a walking people through all the uh, options to see what's right for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, when someone comes in with prostate cancer, um, it, it, is it, it is the hardest cancer to make a guy understand what the options are because there are so many and there's not necessarily a right or a wrong for every person. Uh, it's a really individualized treatment plan um, that will work best for the, for the guy that's um, having the prostate cancer. Uh, traditionally, the, three, the two mainstays of treatment have been surgery or radiation, with some older guys having what's called watchful waiting, which was doing nothing, understanding that likely something else would happen based on their age and their health. Um, the more exciting thing that we now do is called active surveillance. And there's been a very large push for this around the world um, because the PSA is so sensitive. We're probably diagnosing a lot of guys very early, some that may never, ever have a problem related to prostate cancer. But because that test is so sensitive, we're actually picking it up when it may never have affected them. Um, so now the push is if you have a guy who's very low risk, um, so it doesn't appear that the prostate cancer is that aggressive, even if he's young and healthy in his 40s or 50s, um, instead of doing an immediate surgery or an immediate radiation therapy, um, watching that guy, seeing if the PSA changes, seeing if they're developing any problems, doing their examination, 
and then typically at a time point repeating the biopsy just to make sure it doesn't appear to be progressing or getting any worse. And then if the PSA would start changing, or if the biopsy got worse, or if the guy just decided he, he really wasn't comfortable watching it anymore, at that point they would leave the active surveillance and go into a treatment arm, either radiation or surgery. And the early studies on that have shown that it's just as effective as immediate um, surgery or immediate radiation, but then you give the guy the luxury of avoiding the side effects of, of the treatments and living a healthy life without hopefully increasing any risk of um, you know, loss of control of the prostate cancer. Dr. Jaffe, earlier you, you mentioned robotic surgery. I, and I, I like a, the steady hand of a robot down there, I think, uh, in these, these uh, sensitive areas. How effective uh, is uh, robotic surgery? How, how often um, is that type of, of option used in, in these procedures? Yeah, I may be a little biased because I did a fellowship in robotic surgery. So before I came here, I worked with a group of 21 doctors, and I did all of the robotic surgery for the entire practice. Um, so it, it does depend on the surgeon. Um, surgery in general is an excellent treatment option. And, and generally it should be done, the technique really should be based on the doctor. So if your physician does open surgery and that's who you want to stay with, then open surgery will be fine. Um, if, you, uh, if your surgeon does robotics, obviously that's what you should go with. Um, there are definitely benefits of the robot compared to the open surgery. Um, you know, the most significant has been the uh, length of stay. Uh, so generally, most patients would be in the hospital for really no more than 24 hours. Usually, it's less than 24 hours after robotic surgery for their prostate. Um, just how about how about outcomes? Um, tip, uh, outcomes e equal for both types of, of treatments? Yeah, it depends on what outcomes you're looking at. Um, blood loss during the surgery, which can be significant during the open surgery, is significantly reduced with the robot, kind of going back to that steady hand thing that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's just more precise. Um, you know, for the same reason they use robotics in any other industry, uh, the robot's more precise than the human hand. Um, <clears throat> cancer outcomes compared to the robot and the open surgery are going to be the same. Uh, so you're not going to see long-term, you shouldn't see long-term a different outcome. Um, now we do know that surgeons that are high volume do have better outcomes than surgeons who don't do the surgery regularly. So probably the most important thing isn't the technique as much as the volume of the surgeon. So what kind of side effects are associated with, with prostate cancer treatment? Uh, sexual side effects, um, side effects with with using the bathroom, those types of things? I think those are probably things that, that most men get concerned about. Yeah, that's the only thing guys seem to get concerned about when they come to the office. Um, what I would tell you, it really depends on what treatment they go with. So the radiation side effects are very different than the surgery side effects. Uh, surgically, I mean, the big side effect immediately is pain and discomfort because you've had a procedure. Um, and then the risks of the actual surgery, um, you know, such as blood loss and infection and things like that. Once they overcome that, the two main side effects that guys talk about are the problems with the erections after the surgery and problems with holding on to the urine and, and leaking after the surgery. So those are two very common side effects of the surgery. Um, you know, not, not thought to be complications, just because of where the prostate is located in getting it out. Those are two things that guys will deal with, um, hopefully not forever, but for at least a time period after the procedure. And uh, with the radiation, what kind of side effects uh, uh, 
happen there? Yeah, so some guys um, during the treatment will be fatigued. They're tired uh, from the radiation. Um, you can see blood in the urine, um, blood in the stool, some difficulty urinating or having bowel movements uh, from the radiation. Uh, Long-term radiation will have some effects on the erectile function as well, so problems getting an erection. Um, and then radiation has actually been sometimes associated with secondary cancers just because of the, um, the, the spread effect of the radiation. Uh, well, you know, the, the most important thing is to, to get it out of there. And h how likely is it that prostate cancer spreads to other parts of the body? It, it's not common, especially if you see a, a man who's been screened appropriately at the right age and it's diagnosed early. Very rarely will today you'll see a guy who it'll, who it'll spread. Um, unfortunately, though, um, there are guys who are never screened for whatever reason, and uh, they still do present with um, extensive or, or, ex or, I guess, prostate cancer to spread throughout the body. So what can we do to prevent prostate cancer in the first place? Get, get screened, but you mentioned there's not a lot of lifestyle things that you can do, eat healthier. Yeah, I mean, there's not, I mean, there's been lots of studies looking at zinc and vitamin E and things like that to see if they can prevent prostate cancer. Nothing is really um, panned out. There is a medication that we use um, for enlarged prostates that in a few different studies that have shown to actually prevent the development of prostate cancer. Um, one study, it was about 20%. The other one was closer to 30%. So it is a pretty significant reduction. Um, the only problem is there's other issues with the medication, so it's never no one's ever come out and said that every guy should be on this medication. Um, but outside of um, outside of that, there's really nothing that we know that can consistently prevent prostate cancer. Um, besides, like you alluded to, just healthy living and you know diet and exercise. So, w what other urologic cancers should men be aware of? Because I think really people think only of, of prostate cancer in that area, what other things should men be looking for or it potentially could be uh, signals that there's other issues? Yeah, I mean, the other uh, big cancers that we deal with are, are bladder cancers, uh, kidney cancers, and testicular cancer. Uh, there's also some unusual ones, but I mean, those are really the big three. And, you know, as far as the testicular cancer, that's the easiest. Obviously, every guy should be doing a monthly exam on themselves to make sure that the testicles are normal, there's no tenderness, and they don't feel any lumps or bumps or anything down there. Um, regarding the kidney and the bladder, guys should just look out for any, um, you know, difficulty urinating or blood in the urine. Um, if a guy would see blood in the urine, that really should tip them off that that's something that would need to be looked into, and, and they would definitely need to see a urologist. Okay, Dr. Jaffe. So, so urine typically is kind of a yellowish color. If my urine is darker or, or orange, does that mean there, is there blood in the urine in that case, or do you actually see, see red? I mean, I, I, fortunately, it's, it's not something I've ever, I've ever experienced, but maybe I have kind of experienced it and just not recognized it? Yeah, I mean, so when you see your primary care doctor, most of them will screen your urine uh, for blood. Uh, so when they check a urinalysis, they'll see if there's microscopic blood. But you're, you're right, your urine should be yellow. It should actually be very pale. It should be almost clear to light, light yellow. Um, but if it's darker than normal, um, obviously if it looks like blood, but any change in the normal color from a light pale to a clear, um, really should seek consultation to make sure there's no blood in it. It doesn't need to start with a urologist. I mean, it can be your primary care provider. 
just to check the urine and make sure there's no blood in it. So, I mean, how, how, um, how exciting is it right now to uh, be in a field where it, it seems like there's so many different treatment options and there's so much hope when there is early detection that, um, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's years ago, cancer was kind of a death sentence. And uh, certainly um, when it comes to prostate cancer, that seems like that's, it, it's, it, that's far from the case today. Yeah, it is exciting. And that's actually one of the reasons I went into the urology field, just because there was so much changing technology and there was so much promise. And I mean, that's one of the amazing things. When I was a resident um, in training, all we did was open surgery and to then go do a fellowship in robotics and then learn how to do that and watch how, how, how significantly better these guys do postoperatively and how you're helping them recover and get back to life and curing them at the same time has just been an, an amazing revolution in, in prostate cancer treatment. And then to be able to you know, bring that out to Bucks County and offer this like high level of care that's never been offered out here before is, is really satisfying to watch these patients now don't have to go all the way downtown, sit in traffic, pay for parking, and just you know, get the same level of care that I was able to provide downtown, but right here in their backyard in Bucks County. That's uh, Dr. Jamison Jaffe, who's with us for the St. Mary Healthline today. So, Dr. Jaffe, I was on uh, another show speaking with someone who had gone through a, a prostate screening. They didn't see anything, but then he asked for, like, an additional screening maneuver, and th- then they did find that there was something going on there. Is there are there things kind of beyond the PSA that, that sometimes uh, men who are concerned about their risk factors can can go even deeper or look even even further, so to speak? Um, there, there are a few other tests available. There's a, a big push towards genetic testing and, mm-hmm. and genomics. Um, most of those tests today are really only recommended on guys who have <clears throat> an elevated PSA or a problem. So they tend to be for the guy who is having a problem who isn't sure if they want to proceed with a biopsy. So it gives a little more information that may provide some answers before they undergo a biopsy. Um, there's really not a lot if someone's normal to try to look to find out if they're really not normal. But that the first thing is once that PSA looks a little bit off, then, then, then uh, you know everybody is is kind of at at high alert, I guess, in that situation and and trying to figure out what, what the best course of action to take is. Yeah, and you don't want to scare guys away. I mean, just because the PSA is elevated, just because you're seeing a urologist, it doesn't mean you have to get a biopsy done. It just means you have to look into it. So we can figure out what caused it. And, and more than not, I would say three-quarters of the guys that come to my office with an elevated PSA probably never end up getting a biopsy done. Well, look into it. That's what we recommend here on the St. Mary Healthline today. And uh, you can contact Dr. Jaffe through Comprehensive Urologic Specialists. Their phone number is 215-710-4490. You guys uh, have a website over there? I think we do. I, I, you can find it through the St. Mary. Google them. Yeah, Google it. I, I think you can find it through the St. Mary website as well. I don't know what the address is offhand. Dr. Jaffe, thank you so much for your time today here on the St. Mary Healthline. Oh, great. It's, thanks for having me. It was a great time. All right. Thanks uh, for being with us here on WBCB. And uh, we'll be back with more here for the St. Mary Healthline on your station in Bucks, Burlington, and Mercer Counties.